Okay, good evening and welcome back to Raising Spirits with me, Sarah. And me, Kathleen. So this week will actually be part one of our first like two-part episode situation. And I'm just going to be telling Kathleen and all you people about Burke and Hare. So they're like a true life horror story right out of Edinburgh. Um, and basically how this came to be is I suggested this idea to Kathleen and she said she hadn't heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, first Bark and hair. Bark and hair. All right, okay. I don't know. I thought it was something else, like no. barking bits or something. I don't know. No. But yeah, first thought was like, what the fuck? They're so so well known in Scotland. <laughs> How could you not know them? Uh, but then also that it would just be more fun for me to do the script this week and then just read it to Kathleen for our reactions because I think that's always good fun. Yeah, since I've never heard about them, like, I'm quite excited because I was going to Google it and then we were like, no, don't. Like, mm. let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I think, honestly, like, see, because you've never heard of them, you're going to be just shooketh the entire time. Yeah. can't wait. This was, like, that time that, like, we did, um, it was, like, we had wrote the, the, the stuff all out for us that we were going to do and, like, I hadn't read fully ahead for everything <laughs> mm-hmm. that I was going to be saying mm-hmm. and, like, as I was reading it, I was like, oh, my God, he did what? Like... <laughs> Yeah. you're shocked at my own story for that like so did not expect. I think we'll have a bit of that in this <laughs> however before we get into this episode our little usual moment of please go and follow us on Instagram if you don't already we're so close to a thousand followers by the time you hear this we will hopefully have hit one thousand followers yes. um but yeah please go follow us um, we post reminders when we release an episode. Um, we want to chat to you. We want feedback. We want any ideas for episodes. Um, mm-hmm. And again, anywhere that you listen to the podcast that has the capacity to leave reviews, please leave one. Um, yeah. A nice one. If you're going to say something mean, please don't. Um, but if you want to leave <laughs> something nice, then please do. Uh, it helps our podcast be promoted out to new people, so we can reach more people, so we can reach a wider audience. Yeah, um, and if so, you like leave us a review, let us know, and then like we'll give you a shout out like in the next episode. You know. Yeah, I do try and keep an eye, but like where we upload our podcast, it will tell us like it's on Spotify, it's on Apple, but then it'll, it'll just say like other, like other yeah. platforms. So we could, I don't even have an idea everywhere this podcast ends up, so we might not see it. Um, yeah. But if you leave a review, see if you just messages and go, hey, reviewed your podcast here, we'll shout you out. Yeah. If you want. If you don't want that, just don't tell us. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so with all that out of the way, let's get comfy and settled in. So I'll start off with a bit of background about how this whole thing actually came to exist. Um, and then a bit about the background of Burke and Hare, who they were. And then I'll start telling you about all the grisly stuff they got up to. Then next, well, not next week, next episodes, we can talk about the rest of the grisly stuff they got up to and then what happened after. Okay, so let's get comfy cosy, get your cup of tea, and let's get going. So this story takes place in the 1820s. Um, and basically at this time, Edinburgh was a huge base for medical research. Um, they had some really, really good anatomical teachers. They were doing a lot of research into the human body and trying to figure it all out. And they held lectures um, to other people who were training to be doctors and scientists and biologists, whatever. Yeah. Um, so before this time, a lot of medicine was, you know how that meme where it's just, you have ghosts in your blood, you should do cocaine about it. 
that was medicine. I don't know that meme. What? Really? Oh no! I'll, I'll, maybe I'll use that as the Instagram picture, like when we put yeah. the food up. But it's literally That's just like, context. see when you look at like old like cough syrup bottles, and it's literally just yeah. like forty percent alcohol, thirty percent meth. And you're just like, oh, okay, ten <laughs> percent water, like. But that was how medicine used to work. It was just opium, cocaine. Yeah, just get high. Everything will be fine. <laughs> hey. And if that didn't work, like, we'll stick some leeches on you. Maybe that'll fix it. Like, we'll get some of the fear. <laughs> but yeah, so there was not yet a lot of knowledge about how stuff worked. Yeah. So some of the big anatomists in the game in Edinburgh were Alexander Monroe, John Bell, John Goodsir, and Robert Knox. Mm-hmm. So basically they used cadavers, so dead bodies, they would cut yeah. open they used that to investigate how people were put together how things work practice surgeries uh, learn new scientific methods um, and they also used that to teach medical students um, mm-hmm. and they would hold like lectures where they had a cadaver like basically on the floor of the lecture hall and people would be seated kind of around overhead so they could watch um, the doctors performing surgeries on these bodies they would talk them through you know what everything was what was connected I'm sure it was absolutely horrifying, but they actually did learn a lot. And it put Edinburgh at like one of the leading um, like centers of knowledge for this type of stuff. So (laughs) I'm sure they ended up making some great discoveries that way, but haunting. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Scottish law at this time um, stated that the only bodies that could be used for this purpose was that of prisoners who died suicide victims orphans or foundlings which a child it was abandoned by their parents obviously yeah. if they died like you couldn't like go about killing orphans like for this purpose um but if yeah. they like if kids died at an orphanage um then their bodies were allowed to be used i guess because they didn't no one had a claim to their body i suppose yeah, i think that's probably what it is like any kind of unclaimed body yeah would be more kind of because like even like suicides like what if that's like somebody like has like claimed them i think maybe like it's suicides where they've not been able to like identify who they are possibly just and then, like, like i think as well this might have been a time of very high um religion-based law and if yeah. you suicide then you're going to hell so they might have just yeah. been like well we can um you know abuse their body same thing in the prisoners like just because someone's in jail doesn't mean they don't have a family but um yeah I think they were just sort of like, you're a sinner. <laughs> we're going to cut you up. I like government owns, you know. Yeah. Um, however, because of these very specific rules, it meant there was not enough bodies for the demand that the doctors needed. So this yeah. made way for a trade of grave robbers who were also known as resurrection men. So they would illegally dig up freshly buried bodies and then sell the corpses to universities and often usually steal stuff that was on the bodies as well if they got buried with anything worth any money. Yeah, absolutely. Legally at the time, the actual taking and selling of the body wasn't illegal because the corpse doesn't belong to anybody. However, disturbing a grave was illegal, as was robbing any property from the corpse. Aye. So if you found a dead body out in the street, you could sell it. That's not a crime because you're dead. So they're just like, that's fine. But disturbing a grave is a crime. 
selling a corpse from the street not illegal picking up a corpse illegal somebody needs to like somebody's got some explaining to do like i'm sure it's been changed since then but at that point in time that was how it worked it was the 1820s this was this was 200 years ago yeah easy um so the price per body varied depending on the freshness of the body and the time of year so in summer yeah, yeah. the bodies would decompose much quicker so they'd be less useful they couldn't do as much with them um whereas in winter they could be stored for much longer and then they could do more than one surgery on the body well, um, however in general these grave robbers would be beta- paid between five to ten pounds per body uh, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's the equivalent to about five hundred to a thousand pounds per body today. Yeah, so, I'd be doing that at all, man. If it wasn't illegal and like you're making that much money, like, and you're just seeing a body in the street, you'd be like, do you know what? I'll leave it for the rats and like for other people to be upset and like this mm-hmm. poor body to be desecrated, or do I take it and like have it like have medical value? Science, and, like, yeah. See people, do you know what I mean? Like, I totally get that to an extent, actually. And. Just like, to clarify, not like, like this was a time, even, I mean, a thousand pound now is not to be sniffed at, but at this time, a lot of people were incredibly poor and a decent wage at this point was considered about a pound a week. Really? Yeah, like one... I mean, like a month's wage? Like, sometimes, one yeah, I mean, if you get ten pound for your body, that's two months' wages. Christ I would not be sniffing at two months' wages for what... Yeah. Uh, what technically not even a crime if you just find a body so yeah not a bad business to be in however grave robbing became such a problem that they had mass protests across edinburgh uh, and people started having to take precautions when they were burying their loved ones so different methods of protecting the grave became quite commonplace so some graveyards built watchtowers or they hired guards to Mm. watch at night however People can be bribed. Yeah. Um, large stone slabs were also uh, used. So they were laid on top of the graves to make it quite hard for them to get into. Um, some remain are engraved as headstones, but some um, people would hire slabs because you only needed it for a few days to a couple of weeks just until the body would decompose because then it was too late for them Aye. to use it. Aye. Yeah. And they're not going to go through all the trouble to like dig up somebody's grave and the off chance that there might be something valuable in there because if there isn't then they've wasted their time like yeah. when they could have been digging up a fresh one and then definitely getting money for at least the body yep. on top of anything else that they find is just like a bonus. Exactly. Um, Because even if they found like it's unlikely if you were going to be buried like a lot of stuff you'd be the type of person who had like a catacomb or I mean like you're not going to just be in the ground playing if you had a lot of money to get buried in some like really good great stuff yeah um, so yeah it just wasn't worth it to dig up just for the sake of stuff um so yeah people would hire slabs um and that way it would just be used on that until the body's decomposed and then it could be obviously rehired out and it'd be moved to new graves and just do that the other thing that became more common was called mort safes which was essentially like an iron cage that went over the grave. So they only came up maybe Ooh. half a foot, a foot, you know, up over the graves. You'll maybe see them. See if you go to like old graveyards in Edinburgh, you'll see them. They're still there, eh, anyone who had them. Um, but it was just an iron cage that went over the grave so no one could get to the bodies. Well, wow. These things to make it more difficult for people because 
obviously like it wouldn't make it impossible it just presented additional challenges and then they would go to a different grave that was easier yeah but with all these methods in place it again became difficult for scientists to get a hold of these cadavers so then we get to Burke and Hare so these two guys were friends so both of their names were William so we're only going to go by surnames it was William Burke and William Hare so we're going by names Billy and Billy so two pals lived in Edinburgh Um, so we'll start with William Burke so we know a little bit more about his life. So he was born in 1792 um, in Ireland. So they're both Irish as well. So they were born in 1972 in Ireland. He was one of two sons. So he grew up with quite middle-class parents. Um, and his brother's name was Constantine. Oh, like the movie with Keanu Reeves? Yeah, indeed. I love that movie. <laughs> so they grew up quite comfortable. Then they joined the British Army when they were teenagers uh, Burke served in the Donegal militia until he met and married a woman from County Mayo where they then lived. Uh, that marriage did not last long and after an argument with his father-in-law over some land ownership in 1818 Burke deserted his wife and family. He then moved oh, to Scotland sure. and became a labourer working on the Union Canal. So then he uh, settled in a small village near Falkirk and set up home with Helen McDougall. So they refer to her a lot as his wife, but they were never married. But because they lived together, she had like legal wifeness, like the title of wife because they <laughs> lived together. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called a common law marriage. Like if you just live with someone yeah. and like your wife, they're just they have the same benefit as your wife. So yeah. We'll just say that they were it was his wife. That's kind of how they refer to her in stuff, but her name That's was like what he thought of her as is his wife. Yeah. Uh, but her name is McDougal. Uh, and I don't really know anything about her, but McDougal is also like an Irish name. So yeah. possibly. I don't know. Anyway, so she um so that was fine. They when the works on the canal were finished, yeah. The couple then moved to Tanner's Close in Edinburgh. Uh, and that was in November 1827. So they just became for Christmas. Indeed. <laughs> uh, just in time for crime, actually. But anyway, <laughs> they uh, became hawkers. So basically, they sold secondhand clothes to poor people. So they would kind of gather anything they could find, uh, take donations, and they would sell them on. Yeah. Um. Uh, then Burke became a cobbler, uh, and he actually was somewhat successful in this, and he earned upwards of one pound a week. Um. So they were not doing terribly. Um, yeah. He was known locally as industrious and good-humoured. He often entertained his clients by singing and dancing on their doorstep while trying to convince them to buy some shoes. Um, yeah. And although he was brought up as a Roman Catholic, Burke became a regular worshipper at Presbyterian religious meetings held in the grass markets, um, which we'll all remember from our case about the story we told about that guy what's his name the bible guy who then was a psycho the devil guy <laughs> mind the one who was shagging <laughs> we did a whole episode about it he was shagging his sister oh 
the guy who was like he left an followers. Uh-huh. He oh, and then like these Presbyterian religious meetings in Grass Market in Edinburgh. But with his name. I'll get it up, right? Like, you here. get it up while I'm talking. You can that's so in and into when you can't remember, like mm-hmm. he but, was the one who like his, his, his sister like kind of basically. Yeah. Aye, but he like didn't say it was like he pure denied everything until he was on his deathbed. Aye, I think his name was John. It seems like you like it sounds like a John. Like I think I've got it in my head because a Bible John who is like a serial killer. But that's what's in my head. It's like Bible John, but then like obviously it's not Bible John. It's not. What the fuck is his name? I'll be on then. That's got to be. Aye, even if you check our episode names. Aye. That's Thomas Weir. Oh, Tommy Weir. Aye. So. Bastard. Thomas Weir. <laughs> cutting about in the same time. So yeah, we throw back to episode three. Yeah. Nice. Remember the episode Wait. number, but not the guy's name. That might not be true, Sarah. Oh no. Sorry, episode seven? My what? god. That was not that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay well our memory's trash anyway yeah, 100%. yeah so um burke was a regular worship part presbyterian religious meetings held in the gas market and was seldom seen without his bible so you just walk out with his bible um and we'll all remember these presbyterian religious meetings from who we now know thomas weir episode seven yeah um i can listen guys <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh but yeah so apparently really nice guy really funny everyone loved him he worked hard mm-hmm. next guy uh william Hare. he was also born in ireland so his age and year of birth are unknown um when he was arrested in 1828 he said he was 21 but then another source states he was born between 1792 and 1804 which okay. would have placed him between 24 to 30-ish. I don't know math. So <laughs> there isn't much known about his earlier life, although it's thought that he worked in Ireland as an agricultural labourer before he travelled over to Scotland. So he also worked on the Union Canal. So he worked there for about seven years before moving to Edinburgh in the mid-1820s, where he worked as a coalman's assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, he then lodged at Tanner's Lodge in the house of a man named Logue and his wife Margaret Laird. Um, in the right, so they lodged at this house and that was like in a nearby area of the town um, when Logue died in 1826 here it says may have married Margaret what? so just because of the time period and because they were I mean they were poor so no one was writing about these folk um, so I think they're not sure but I think they kind of shacked up together okay similar in the way that the other guys did so he essentially, I think, kind of shacked up with his landlord's missus after his landlord died. Yeah. Cool. Go for it. Um, <laughs> however, people described him as illiterate and uncouth, a lean, some violent and amoral character with the scars from old wounds about his head and brow. Um, and Margaret, who was also an Irish immigrant, as a hard-featured and debauched virago. And virago basically means man-like woman. So she was... I do not want to be ever called uncouth or... What was that? A, a virago. Or a virago. 
or Virago, whatever. I don't want to be called either of those ever. That's very oh. hurtful. That's cutting. That's what it's that is. Cutting. So, <laughs> a pair of unlikely friends. In 1927, <laughs> Bark and McDougall went to Pennacook and McLothian to work on the harvest. And there they met here. So they became friends. And when Bark and McDougall returned to Edinburgh, they moved into Tanner's Close lodging house. So they had a lodge. So here had a lodger's house. Um, and Burke and McDougall moved in. So the two couples soon acquired a reputation for hard drinking and boisterous behaviour. Oh, so in the became, town. Mm-hmm, they became quite well known for um, just being a bit, a bit rough. A bit, uh, a bit much. So for Burke and Hare, this story begins on the 29th of November, 1827. So as you say, just in time for Christmas. So just after they've basically moved in together. Uh, There was another lodger staying at Hare's house. Uh, A man named Donald. And he was found dead one day from dropsy, which is like an old-fashioned way of saying uh, edema, which is just fluid retention built up under your skin that causes swelling. However, um, this is usually caused by underlying health conditions, such as like heart failure. But obviously at this time they didn't know anything like that. And symptoms were considered to be the disease so often you would see people died of fever obviously fever is not a disease it's a symptom same as well with this so he had edema and they basically were just like oh he's died of that but my god he dropped the dropsy um but yeah so he was dead and at this point he owed here four pounds in back rent um, it is quite a lot. Basically, he was um, he received a military pension and it came in quarterly. So every, I think, three months, that pension came in. And so he was paying his rent when his pension came in every three months. So it's yeah. pretty much three months rent. Four mm-hmm. quid, not bad. Um, so he didn't really know what to do. His family had been relying on that money coming in and now they have a corpse to deal with. Damn. However, he talked it out with Burke. And they decided the best thing to do that would solve both problems was to sell the body at the university. Yeah. Uh, so the local parish had paid for a coffin from a local carpenter for the body. But instead of putting the man into it, they filled the coffin with bark to weigh it. And then once oh. it was buried that night after dark, they took the body to the university to look for a cellar. So yeah. someone they met directed them to Knox's surgery and he purchased the body for seven pounds and ten shillings. So from this payment, he took four pounds and five shillings to cover his back rent owed by the lodger, and then Burke took the rest of the money. Uh, I assume because it was his idea to sell it or because he provided help in getting the body out into the uni. I don't know. Um, and according to Burke's official confession, as he and Hare left the university, one of Knox's assistants told them, um, that the anatomists would be glad to see them again when they had another to dispose of. Jeez, oh. Yeah. You need that. Yes. Bodies. Yes, those bodies. So the men took these words quite literally and they decided they would continue selling bodies to make more money. Yeah. Um, but without any more dead lodgers, they had to become a bit more proactive in their methods. So Burke and Hare actually went on to commit 16 murders over the course of about 10 months. And what? they sold all of the victims to Robert Knox. <gasps> I didn't know they were killing people. I thought they were just like 
Taking ones were already dead. Mm-mm. Just the first day. <gasps> mm-hmm. So were they like taking like orders from the uni? Like, would you want this no. time? Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I'm I'm shocked and disturbed. So in an exciting way, <laughs> the Tell order them. of the murders that they committed isn't super agreed upon. Um, it gets a little bit hazy at the the first few bodies. Um, yeah. Burke gave two confessions so he gave one official confession to the sheriff and to the procurator fiscal um, but then he did an interview with a reporter from the Edinburgh Courant um, which has slightly different details and then he also gave a statement of his accounts of the event um, and the three different tellings have the murders in a slightly different order at the start here um, yeah. however generally believed that their next victim was a man named Joseph who was also a lodger with Burke so he was ill with a fever and apparently they were worried that having a sick lodger would put other people off coming to stay um, and it would cost them their income. So that night they crept into his room, hair um, smothered him with a pillow over his face and Burke used his body weight to hold the victim still. I knew they were going to do him in, man. I sure knew that was coming. So I've done it. <laughs> this method of murder would have been pretty undetectable um, in that era without modern forensics because um, there's no there's no fight back. Yeah. Oh, like two men smothering someone in their sleep, like there is absolutely no chance to fight back. So the body was yet again sold to Knox, and for this one they got ten pounds. <gasps> That's pretty good. Must have been because he was sick, and they're like, "Oh, we can use this. Like, we need to know more about this disease." So here's I the don't know if it was because they got it there quicker or obviously they're going to get kind of higher prices just now anyway because it's winter but I don't know if it was just that they got the body there quicker because they didn't go through the whole farce of having the pretend video and all that yeah um, own. yeah so the order of the next couple victims we're not sure of either seems to be the next one is a woman named Abigail Reznor um and then there was an English man who was lodging with Burke. So the Englishman was, we're not sure of his name, but he was traveling and he sold matches and Tinder. Um, he fell out with jaundice at Hare's lodging house. And again, Hare was concerned with the effect this illness might have on his business. So he and Burke just did their usual, smothered him. Yeah. Um, the next one named Simpson was a pensioner who lived in a nearby village and visited Edinburgh to sell salt to top up her pension. Um, on 12th of February, 1828, so that's the only exact date that Burke quoted in his confession, she was invited into the Hare's house um, and plied with enough alcohol to ensure she was too drunk to return home. Um, after murdering her, Burke and Hare placed the body in a tea chest um, and to try tea chest it was just like a big well this was before tea bags so you would buy like hard tea was um sold in, like blocks oh um so it was just like a big wooden trunk see what you've got in your living room or whatever oh, in your house. that's so like a tea chest yeah just a big trunk um and it'd be used to like move big Pinch. chunks of tea yeah <laughs> well I, in this case bods so <laughs> um so they used that to transport the body down and they sold it to Knox and got £10 for each of these bodies. Jesus. Um, and in Burke's confession, he records that when they sold Simpson's body, um, Dr Knox approved of it being so fresh, but he did not ask any questions. 
Aye. Um, in either February or March that year, an old woman was invited into the house by Margaret Hare. She gave her enough whiskey <sighs> to fall asleep. And when Hare returned that afternoon, he covered the sleeping woman's mouth and nose with the mattress cover and left her. Um, she was dead by that night. And then Burke joined here to transport the body to Knox, who paid another £10. So we are only in about March, and that was, that's four bodies have sold now. So they've made 40 quid in about four months. So they're making good money. Yeah. Like, it's like £5 each every month, pretty much. So that's like a month's wage and then on top of that obviously they're still working they still have their lodging house they're still doing what they're doing so they've yeah. pretty much just doubled their income um in early april burke met two women mary patterson and janet brown so he bought the two women some alcohol and invited them back to his lodging for breakfast so the three of them left together and ended on going up back to burke's brother's house instead so after the brother had left for work, Burke and the woman stayed up all night and drank two bottles of whiskey. Mary Patterson, who was very drunk, fell asleep at the table and Burke and Brown stayed up talking. However, McDougall, so uh, his partner, came in and accused him of having an affair. <laughs> Obviously, because you come up at three in the morning or whatever and find your buddy husband sitting talking to some woman. Aye. Um, so a big row broke out between Burke and McDougall, during which he threw a glass at her, cutting her above the eye. So he's a woman beater. I mean, he's also a murderer, but you know. I, but yeah. <laughs> um, Brown stated she did not know Burke was married and she left. Then McDougall left and fetched Hare and his wife. When they came back, Burke and Hare locked their wives out of the room and they murdered the sleeping Mary Patterson. So that one who was <gasps> drunk and killed on the table. So that uh, last just left our pal there? And she was sleeping and she was just trying to get out because they were throwing glasses at each other. I but still, Yankee, take your pal with you. And yeah, would you leave you there, fuck's sake? It's different now, though. I don't think in the 1820s you were as uh, careful about these types of things. Oh, should I um, be, man? Oh, they should have been. So that <laughs> afternoon, they put her body back in that same tea chest and took it down to Knox to sell and were paid £8 for her body. So one of Knox's assistants asked where they got the body because it was still warm and they thought they recognised the woman. Oh, no. Burke explained the girl had drank herself to death and they'd purchased the body from an old woman at the Canning Gate, which is an area in Edinburgh. Um, when Brown, um, the woman who had left, later asked what happened to her friend, she was told she left for Glasgow with a travelling salesman. What? She said she, she met some guy and she's taken off with me to Glasgow and she went, okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ, they're not friends. No, nah. I don't know how close they were. Plus, I think in this time as well, like you just moved about much more. Like it yeah. wasn't expensive to kind of travel and move places. Everyone sort of rented where they lived. You didn't have like big like lease contracts like you've got now. Do you know what I mean? I think it was a just much more. Um, I wonder like how much they would charge me to stay like in there in a room for like a week it must have been like 50 pence or something well that old guy was back to and he owed like four pounds i think it's probably a pound a month aye i mean if you think about it equivalent wise now so like if you think about a pound being a week's wages so even if you're in like kind of average income here's what maybe 300 quid 350 a week then that's like decent rent to like yeah and what isn't even like I feel like a flat or whatever to yourself so I like a pound a month so I'm gonna be looking at like 
I don't know what that is in shillings, but like the equivalent now, like 30, not the equivalent, but like about 30p a, a week, I guess. Yeah. Is it, see, when you're staying in somebody's lodgings, is that like you're staying in like a separate apartment or you're staying in like one of their rooms? Like, is that not usually like you're sleeping in one of the rooms or something? It never really clarifies what their situation is. So it says they've got their lodging um, and then they have stables as well. So I think it's sort of like just a part of their house or a room um, that they rent out. It doesn't ever really say, to be honest. I'm imagining it's sort of like the equivalent of like a youth hostel now. With like some beds in a room and you can rent a bed. Aye. I don't really know though. (laughs) Um, So a few months later, um, a woman named Mrs Haldane lodged at Hare's premises. She had a few drinks with them and then fell asleep in the stable where she was smothered in their usual way and sold to Knox. Of course. Several months later, her daughter also lodged at Hare's house. So Haldane's daughter also lodged at Hare's house. Hmm? Obviously not known. That's where her mum went missing. Yeah. But she and Bert drank together heavily and then he killed her alone. So without Hare being there, he killed her. Um, again, she was taken in the tea chest to Knox, who paid £8 for her body. Um, the next murder, again, was another older woman. And again, they got her drunk, smothered her, and then sold her. Uh, the next woman was named Effie. Um, she was again lured into the stable with whiskey. And then once she was drunk, they smothered her and sold her. And they were paid £10 for her body. Tana, she must have been a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder how you kind of differentiate like which ones are the good ones, which ones aren't, because like they got a tenor for that pensioner, didn't they? Mm-hmm. So like I guess it's just like whatever they have, like in short supply, they're willing to pay a bit extra for. I suppose maybe they didn't have a lot of pensioners. I think as well it depends. Like if they've had a lot of bodies already in storage, they're going to pay less money for the body because yeah. it's not as much in demand. Whereas if they go on a day where they've not got anyone and they really need it, then they'll pay more. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of variables and also I think part of it will be what they've got like you're not going to see like where else you would take a corpse it's going to go off like you can't do anything else with it so they'll just be like right okay I've got eight quid in my pocket here you go here's eight pounds yeah I don't think there's a lot a bargain you're minted isn't it (coughs) yeah yeah definitely I mean even now Edinburgh Uni's minted but at this time um yeah because obviously they charge for the lectures that they hold yeah. So they're charging people to come and watch them smother bodies. So obviously they take their own income from it. But yeah, £10 for a body probably wasn't much. Like to them. Yeah. Um, so the next victim was a girl they found outside, too drunk to stand. Um, and a local constable was um, checking on her and getting ready to take her home. But Burke offered to take her himself as he was going that way. And the policeman let him. He actually took her back to Hare's house, where they killed her. Of course. Mm. Fucking hell. So the policeman just went, yes, random man, you can take this woman to your home. Have a great night. Fuck. This random woman who was too drunk to start, but it says girl, not even woman, right? There's, I guess, either a young woman or maybe a teenager, too drunk yeah. to stand. And, they, and this policeman has just went, yeah, you can take her home. Have a great night, bud. She was killed. And they don't remember her name. And they gave the confession they couldn't remember her name. Or maybe have never known her name because she was unconscious when they met her. Yeah. Aye. 
if she's not if she's been like a girl she's maybe not had like idea or anything like that like yeah wouldn't have had it in honor mm-hmm. um what's sick yeah that's the most like infuriating one i think isn't it it's, it's so easily could have been prevented like so easily um Birkin here then murdered two more lodgers in June, um, an old woman and her grandson. Uh, so while the boys sat by the fire in the kitchen, they smothered the grandmother in their usual way in the, in the bedroom. Um, yeah. Birkin here then picked up the boy and carried him to the same bedroom where he was also killed. Burke said in his confession that this was the murder that disturbed him the most. Um, he said he was haunted by the memory of the boy's face. Um, oh. The tea chest they usually used to transport the bodies was too small to fit both of them. So instead, they forced the bodies into a herring barrel to be taken to Knox. Each body sold for £8, so made £16 in one night. Um, according to Burke, the barrel was loaded onto a cart pulled by Hare's horse. And the horse refused to pull the cart further than the grass market. They had to call a porter uh, with a handcart to transport the barrel for them. Um, once home, Hare was so furious he took it out on the horse and shot it dead in the yard. Jeez, oh. Mm-hmm. Again, Hare, honestly, not neither of them are great guys, but Hare just shooting horses because they wouldn't carry their corpses far enough. That's a bit shit. He's obviously psychotic. He's also got pure issues. Yeah, but like he is definitely, I think, the one who is pretty on. He's not just doing it for money. He's doing it for like some sort of satisfaction. Yeah, I think he just likes to murder. Yeah. Um. So, what are your thoughts so far? I'm really shook. By the way, like, who was the one that was like upset about the boy again? Bark. Bark. I and here's the one who's a bit crazy and shot the horse, isn't he? Yep. I. I. And it was he's the one who gave the confession about the boy, saying it, like that disturbed him. Oh God, I, I, I think here's going to be their downfall. That's that's my, that's my hot take so far. That's my theory that he's going to be the downfall because he's the psycho one, and Burke is like starting to be like, uh, this is taking a toll on me. Yeah. Like I don't want to kill young boys. Like. Yeah. So, but it, it kind of like begs the question as well. Like, when is like enough enough? Like, when's enough money? Do you know what I mean? Like, when are they going to stop? Like, was there ever like a point where they're like, okay, once we've made such and such, we'll stop? Like, we'll just do this for like a quick buck, like, get us through Christmas or whatever. Obviously, they've kept going anyway past that, but like, there must be like, yeah, a goal in mind, I would have thought. Like, yeah, I don't but, know that they put that much planning into it or if it was just that they had access to all these vulnerable people because that's the thing like they had cheap lodgings and the type of people that's going to bring in are people who are traveling through town yeah. to most them um they obviously went out their way to find these women they could lure back for a bottle of whiskey if you're going back to a strange man's house for a bottle of whiskey are you making good choices not really yeah so they're finding these vulnerable people who no one knows and they're killing mm-hmm. them and in a way that no one could really detect and then they're making they're getting rid of the bodies immediately it's not like they've got a corpse lying around police are going to find police aren't even looking for these people they're letting them take them home i know they're just handing them over like here you go yeah. for this one and all let's work for have a reason to stop um so on the 24th of june bark and mcdougall so bark and his missies went to go and stay in falkirk to visit um mcdougall's father when the couple returned 
here had on some new clothes and he seemed to have a bit of spare money. Burke asked if he'd sold another body while he was gone and here denied it. However, Burke then went to Knox and asked him and he said that he had indeed came in and sold a woman's body for £8. It led to an argument between the two men and they ended up having um, a fight. So it actually came to like a physical fist fight. Um, and they money without him it? and it's like they're in it together like so don't do it without me sort of thing pretty much um and at this point obviously they were staying together at this point so after this Burke and McDougall went to go and stay with his cousin um who stayed about two streets down so they moved out of this lodging and said not fucking done yet you are snake not the fact yeah. they murdered people together Mm-mm-mm. it's when you go murdered and without me i won't stand for that yeah i did think see earlier like was it a hair he'd killed somebody like alone mm. and like sold the body for like, eight pound or something it was, and I was like, I wonder if he had that. sold the body Bart. without hair being there or yeah. had killed the body without hair being there but had called hair to help uh, him take it to Knox, and then they sold the so boat. So, like, together. he's like, if I'm doing it for you, you have to do it for me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Aye. Um, That's bullshit. I don't know as well if there's a situation of the way that they tend to kill is obviously as a team effort to hold the body yeah. still while they smother. I don't know if there's part of it as well, being like, you're being too risky. Aye, if something what if they wrong, got away? What if they got out? And then that would have been us caught, like, so I don't know if that was like part of it was just truly self-preservation um, and not wanting to kind of call it. So I think this is a good point to put a pin in it because yeah. after this, it starts to get pretty spicy with the crime. Yeah. Uh, the murder's starting to get to them. They're not buddies anymore. Yeah. What's going to happen next? I know, like, I want to know, like... I mean, if they're, like, fell out, are they still going to, like, try and murder and, like, sell bodies, but, like, separately? Or are they still, like, you know what, I hate you, but, like, let's, let's just continue for business purposes. Let's be professional and, like, keep killing folk. Nah, but, like, I think the wives would stand yeah. for it. Because, uh, just to clarify, the wives are aware of all this going on. They're not... I must have been, like, when they yeah. locked them, like, well, they say they locked them in, like, this other room, but, like... Yeah. Obviously, they know something's going. I mean, there was that past it lassie two minutes before they get locked in the room. They come back out, and all of a sudden, she's no there, and they're like pure sweating, yeah. like the tea trunk sitting out, and they're like, oh, she, "She just went home." <laughs> I don't think so. I uh, don't think so. They obviously so knew. We um we are one hundred percent assisting in these murders. God, I um they're cleaning the tea chests. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And pieces. Yeah, I've no noticed as well. I mean, this point in time, I think it was pretty common that men would make money and then they would just give it to their wives who yeah. would then run the household with it. They were in charge, yeah. obviously, of doing shopping, sorting bills, making sure everyone was clothed and fed and whatever. So they're going to know more money's coming in. Um, yeah. And none of them seem to strip it. They all seem to be aware of what's going on. So no <clears throat> and it's worth the money. Yeah, indeed. I mean, not being funny, like for the amount of money they were getting and considering it was a relatively low risk operation they were running, um, yeah. kind of. <laughs> However, like far as well, like where they weren't actually doing anything illegal by just mm-hmm. taking a random body off the street and selling it. That's mm-hmm. wild to me. Like at the beginning, they weren't even like breaking the law. Like that was like an honest living, like to do that. That's fine. 
Like yeah, that first body they sold, that wasn't elite. I mean, they obviously knew it was a bit shady because they kind of pretended and they buried the coffin full of bar yeah. instead of a person. But it wasn't illegal, it was just a bit shady. Um yeah. yeah, the law at this point was pretty questionable around all of this. However, we'll get into it on the next episode. So the next episode we'll cover the last of the murders. Yeah. Because this, this whole thing from when they found that first dead body until the end of this all happens in about 10 months this really? isn't happening over a long period of time Mm-mm-mm. so that last body that they are, like years yeah so that last body right so the one that here had sold while they were away that was in june this all started yeah. in november so Jeez, oh, I so even been a year yet. Nah, eight months. I thought it was like in my head. I'm like, okay, well, they've killed this person, they've killed that person. It must be like a couple months between each time, but no, it's like, nah, it was quick. Day. Yeah, well, I think they were. I think on at this point they were maybe doing maybe one or two a month. Um, I just yeah. whenever like the opportunity arose, really, where it mm-hmm. was kind of like worthwhile to kill them because like they were sick or like. They were just like available at that last who was drunk and passed out. Yeah, exactly. If they came across an opportunity, someone who was drunk, um, that they could overpower. If someone wasn't well and they could overpower them, um, they had an opportunity. They were taking it. They weren't leaving any bodies to waste. Aye, and they don't uh, really seem to go after anyone who's like healthy and awake. Like mm-hmm. it's like they're the afraid. Of easy, easy victims. Yeah, we're still um, in there. So, not great men, but definitely interesting. But yeah, they do loads of cool shit. Um, although in a few weeks, me and Craig are going to um, Edinburgh Dungeons because we're going through to Edinburgh at the end of the month for his birthday. And I've not been before, which is so strange that it's like right up yeah. my street. But he said they actually have like a big bit about Birkin here there. So I'll Ooh. take some pictures while I'm there and I'll put them on IG for everybody to see. Um, yeah. obviously Craig's also not been to Edinburgh Dungeons in a long time but he's saying he's like I think there was something there like a big thing about them so yeah. Um, at the very least I might be able to go walk up Tanner's Close and see where this all happened it, Edinburgh's not happening they get new buildings but they don't take down the old ones so mm-hmm. like it's especially around like the grass market and stuff it's all just still the same original buildings <laughs> it's all really old um, fancy so not good have a look i'll see if i can get some pictures of either whatever they've got at the dungeons about them or if i can see where they used to stay and where all this kind of happened because pretty much all the bodies all the people were killed in tanner's close where they lived um i think there was a couple of bodies killed outside of that we'll come on to that but the majority of them were there so yeah i because it's easier for them to got all their stuff there that's what the tea chest is i mean they're not going to go humping about their tea chest to the no. victims the victims and come a herring yes. barrel or a herring <laughs> barrel that they used yeah Aye, a herring barrel like straight why are you buying a barrel of herring yeah, yeah. it's a lot <laughs> a bit much it's um, maybe because like if they've had lodgings maybe there's been like something in like their contract whatever people are staying with them where they have to feed them as well and they've like they go, it's like their version of Costco. Like <laughs> probably, probably and fucking hibaros, the barrels of herring. <laughs> but, um, All day. <laughs> oh man. Um, I've got my Costco card. I'm gonna go pick up my barrel of herring. <laughs> Aye. <laughs> Get that bulk discount. But um 
yeah, so we'll leave it there for this week. Um, but do come back for episode 12 um, and we'll cover off um, essentially what happens next. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was good fun. So thanks for tuning in and listening to us raising spirits. And we'll catch you for part two. Ooh, I'm excited. Oh, okay, right. Bye. <laughs> bye.